Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to be preaching on making your children feel loved. No, actually, I am going to be preaching <laughs> on the resurrection. And we're going to be looking at a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this passage of Scripture is actually the single largest passage in the whole Bible about the resurrection. So if you're saying, hey, I want to know about what the resurrection, Christ's resurrection, and how it affects us and how we relate to it, you know, you could search all sorts of passages, and that's great. But if you say, where do I need to start? 1 Corinthians 15 is that place because it's this big, long chapter, and it's all about the resurrection. And so this morning, we're going to read um, just a part of the chapter, but we're going to read uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, and then 12 through 20. And if you're physically able, I invite you to stand with me as we read. Friends, let me go over the message with you one final time. This message that I proclaimed and that you made your own. The message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. I'm assuming now that your belief was the real thing and not a passing fancy. That you're in this for good and holding fast. The first thing I did was place before you what was placed so emphatically before me. That the Messiah died for our sins, exactly as Scripture tells us, that he was buried and that he was raised from death on the third day. Again, exactly as Scripture tells us. That he presented himself alive to Peter, then to his closest followers, and later to more than 500 of his followers all at the same time. Most of them are still around, although a few have since died. That he then spent time with James and the rest of those he commissioned to represent him, and that he finally presented himself to me. And then, there we go. Now, let me ask you something profound and yet troubling. If you became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, <laughs> risen from the dead, how can you let people say that there is no such thing as a resurrection? If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. And everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed on to you, verifying that God raised up Christ. Sheer fabrication if there's no resurrection. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't, because he was indeed dead. And if Christ wasn't raised, then all you're doing is wandering around in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ in the resurrection, because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. Let's pray. God, as we, as we do consider the resurrection today, Father, I pray that it would not only uh, cause us to be 
even more grateful for what you've done for us, God, but also to be more uh, passionate about you and your message and about sharing that with the lost world. God, we pray now that you bless the reading and proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. You may be seated. As Christians, we make a big deal of the resurrection. I mean, we have lots of holidays, Christian holidays, but if we were to say, what is the big one? What's the most high and holy day? If you polled 100 Christians, somebody would have some off-the-wall answer, but probably 97 or 98 or 99 of them would say Easter. That is the big day, and we put this huge emphasis on that celebration. But not only one day a year, but actually every single week, all throughout the year. We don't come to worship on a Saturday as the Old Testament saints did. Rather, we come to worship on the Lord's Day. Why is it the Lord's Day? Because of it is the day that our Lord was risen from the grave. That resurrection occurred. And so resurrection is a huge deal, and we sing about it because he lives, and I know I can face tomorrow. And we, we sing all these songs about up from the grave he arose. Why is the resurrection, why is one day out of Christ's 33 years on earth, why is that so important? What's the big deal? And that's the question that we want to answer, or at least partially answer today. There's, I, we're going to look at three reasons why it's such a big deal, why it's so important. But there's, a, a, of course, many others in Scripture. But here's three good ones to get us started. The first thing is that the resurrection is central to our faith. The resurrection is central to our faith. Now, we talk about sharing the gospel. And the gospel literally means good news. Uh, if you take the resurrection out of our message, there is no good news. There's really just a very sad story. I mean, think about it. You want to share your faith with someone, so you start telling them about this man named Jesus who was born of a virgin, who grew up in, in rel relative obscurity and, and quietness, uh, but never sinned. And about 30 years old, he entered into public ministry, and he gathered around himself disciples, three that were the closest, 12 who were also really close, 70 who were, who were maybe not quite as close, but still there, and then thousands upon thousands of other disciples followed him as he healed and cast out demons, as he taught, as he, as he touched the nation for three years. And then you tell them about, yes, and he entered into Jerusalem and people were calling out, Hosanna, son of David, and they were waving palm branches. And then a week later, he got arrested and he died. And they put him on the cross and he stayed there the first day and the second day. And the third day, then he also stayed there. And on the fourth day and on the fifth day, and, you know, he, nothing really ever happened. But we just kind of all decided that that'd be a good idea to name ourselves after him and, and be like him and follow his sad, sad story. I mean, how, how much of a good witness would that be? I mean, it just kind of like that guy went around and did some good stuff, and then he got killed, and it was the end. 
I mean, it's an interesting story, but that's it. There's no power to change or transform lives in a story of Christ without the resurrection. For all those who say he was a great teacher, a great humanitarian, a great philosopher, a great whatever you want to say about Christ, without the resurrection, without him being the risen Lord, we do not have a message in our faith. We're just another story about another guy whose life ended tragically. And sad as it may seem, those are a dime a dozen throughout history. Lots of good people taught well, lived well, and died tragically. But with the resurrection, we actually have a true gospel message. Secondly, the resurrection is a big deal because it's eyewitness history. See, think about other religions, other faith or spiritual movements. Uh, They're based on some sort of, of, of mythology, mythology or philosophy or whatever else, some idea that some man, some woman, somebody had and kind of gathered some followers. And after a while, they said, yeah, this is a good way of living. This must be true. This must be right. But one of the, the unique things about Christianity is that is based on a historical event, not something someone just dreamed up, something just said, oh, this would be a clever thing to say. But there's an actual place in time. And this time was so significant that the world actually later on decided, you know, this changed all of history. And so we're going to call everything before this B.C. And we're going to call everything after this, you know, A.D. But, but Christ's time on earth literally changed history. Not just a story or a pleasant idea. You see, those who look at faith who are develop what's called Christian apologetics, and, and, and that's a term from the Latin. It's different from our com, you know, normal nowadays. An apology means I'm sorry. But that word apology used to mean a reason, okay, um, a justification. And those who are apologists for the Christian faith, that is those who defend it, will study and they'll look and they'll see what, how did people actually live and believe and behave? Is this actually something foundational there? And they will say, go back and study and look for your own self. And over and over again, skeptics, atheists have studied and looked and said, I'm going to find a way to prove this is wrong. And they get in there and they study and they look and many, many, many of them end up being converted and coming to Christian faith when they give an honest and open evaluation and examination of the facts. Now, I'll tell you this. You can't fact anybody into heaven or into faith. All right. We, we all know in this day and age, you can have facts and people can ignore those facts. But that is a different thing from saying if someone is actually open to the facts and not biased or prejudiced against the facts, if they come to them with an open mind, they will come to a conclusion. And time and time again over the last 2,000 years, those who've examined the facts have said this is truth. Is there deep theology and spiritual truth and all? Yes, but it's grounded on a historical event. 
that Christ was crucified, that he was buried, and that three days later he came out of that grave. And Paul doesn't even bother. He's actually not writing here just like, here's, here's my long list of proof. I think he could have actually listed more folks, and he could have gone into more detail. But he was just given like a summary or a recap, and he just starts saying, now, first of all, remember, I, this was part of the gospel message, this resurrection thing, from the very first. This wasn't something we introduced later. This was the first, the earliest message you heard. It was about Christ and his crucifixion and his resurrection. But then he starts to talk about who saw him. And he talks about this disciple and that disciple and his brother James and over 500 disciples. There were literally hundreds of those who saw with their own eyes eyewitnesses of the risen Lord. And when Paul writes this letter, say 15, 20 years later, the scholars are going to have different ideas about how long it was. Paul says, most of these folks are still around. Yeah, a few of them have died. But most of the hundreds of individuals who witnessed with their own eyes the risen Lord, they're still here today. You can still go ask them. They saw the crucifixion. They knew he was dead. They knew he was gone. And then they saw him resurrected to life again. And so the resurrection is so important to our faith because it distinguishes us as just apart from some other religious idea or spiritual idea that someone came up with, the resurrection is a historical event that is more, that is better documented than any other historical event in ancient history. Through the Gospels and through other writings and the testimonies of the lie, we could go in this subject and go deep as you look at how did the people, the apostles, live? Do, do people Hundreds of people literally live and then actually die for a lie, for something they don't believe in? No. And these early apostles who witnessed Jesus, his crucifixion and death, they would go on. Those who were doubters like Thomas, those, those who wavered in their faith like Peter and, and others, they would go from that kind of, we don't know what this is, to transformed men and women who boldly shared the gospel, even when their lives were at risk, and you examined their lives and the belief that they lived out of these things that they had seen, that this is no vast conspiracy. Uh, this, this is no made-up story. This is people whose experience with the risen Lord, hundreds of people, they literally had their lives transformed by a historical event the event where Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Why the resurrection? Third and finally, the resurrection provides hope for our future. Without the resurrection, our faith does not have hope. Our faith does not have something to look forward to. Paul was dealing with some folks. It's an issue probably a little bit different from what we deal with today but in that ancient Greek, Greek culture, there was this philosophical idea of the eternality of the soul. Basically, not just like God has been around forever, but these Greek philosophers said, oh, human souls have just been, been around forever. 
And so some of the early Christians kind of got mixed up when some of that philosophy got in their, into their faith. And, and some of them were starting to say, yeah, there's really no resurrection, but our souls were around forever before. And, and yeah, we lived with the body for a little while, but, but then our souls are just going to be, you know, floating around out there, some little mist or cloud or soulish type thing forever. And, and, and we don't have to worry about a resurrection. And Paul said, Hold up. Stop here for a minute. He says, if there's no resurrection, then there was no resurrection of Christ. And if there was no resurrection of Christ, then you have no faith at all left to hold on to. Paul said, let's think about the options of if there really is no resurrection. He says, first of all, let's just say, let's just say, okay, there, there's really a a God. We, you folks all believe that there's a God and there's an, some accountability. Well, we know from the Old Testament scriptures that we're going to answer to God one day. This is, if, if this whole faith thing was a sham, if you believed in a guy who really didn't come up from the grave, Paul said, you're still in your sins. You're about to face a just God on judgment day without anything to cover you. Because if Christ was not the true son of God, he was not resurrected, he did not cover your sins, then you're still in your sins. And you're about to have to face some bad stuff on judgment day. He said, on the other hand, if, if the whole afterlife idea, if that's just a myth, if that's just a make-believe thing, he says, imagine what happens then. He said, first of all, you are living a lie. You're living your whole faith, your whole life around some idea that's just a myth, a made-up thing, that, that, that's just some kind of junk that's not really all that important. He's like, we're going to be the most pitiful fools of all people if we get to the end of life and, and, and we've lived it this whole way and, and then there's just nothing there. And he said, also, if you get skeptical, and start to actually say, oh, you're right. Why should I live for Christ if there's nothing afterward? He says, what happens then? He says, we live a life of eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. In other words, it's very similar to the YOLO idea that we hear today, where, hey, I'm just going to live once, and then it's all over with. Who cares what I do? Who cares who I hurt? If I hurt myself, if I hurt others, what does it matter? Because there's no consequences. There's no accountability. Just live however you want to live. And Paul says, do you see these different options? Every different conclusion that you can come to if there's no resurrection, it's all bad. It's all real bad for everybody involved. But Paul says, thank God there was a resurrection. He goes from speaking about those hypotheticals and he comes back. But guess what? We don't have to worry about that. As long as you hold on, as long as you stick fast and hold on to the gospel message that you were given and that you received, you do have hope. You already had hope the moment you received the message of the gospel. You had that gift of eternal life. You knew that you were, had a relationship with God and you were justified. And so don't let yourself be dragged down by the things that the world is saying. Don't let this junk enter your faith. But remember what you first believed. That part of your faith that's at the core of, of the gospel, that part of your faith that is really grounds your faith in history, in time, as a reliable, objective faith, that part of your faith that gives you hope, you hold on to that 
Don't let yourself be disturbed and distracted by all the crazy nonsense that the world is saying. Hold on to that message of Christ. And the whole reason the resurrection is so important is because we literally don't have a faith without it. If the resurrection is true, and I believe it is with all my heart, as have millions upon millions or even billions of saints throughout the years. If it is true, everything is fine. Because sometimes skeptics will come to us and say, well, what about this in the Old Testament? Or what about that miracle? Did that really happen? You see, all I have to do is my faith is based on the resurrection. And guess what? If God can raise a man from the dead and that man can pay, pay the price for all of my sins and all the world's sins, if I can believe that, then I can believe anything God's ever done. I don't have to worry about the smaller miracles, the lesser things. If I know that's true, then it's all true. And I can bank my life on the message of Jesus Christ. I don't have to be a scholar who, who can explain every little detail. I know the one big detail, that Christ died, but he rose again. And in him, I have new life. And I can focus my life on that, knowing, hey, there's some scholars and there's some thinkers out there who, who get into all those details, and that's great. But I know that without the resurrection, I don't have a faith. But I am convinced, as I study his word, as I see the evidence, that the, his, that the resurrection was a real, true historical event, and that where God interceded, he sent his son to man to pay the penalty on the cross for us. And because I believe that, I believe the Christian faith. I believe the gospel that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And that's why the resurrection is at the heart of our Christian faith. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you and we're so grateful we're so thankful for what you've done. And Lord, we realize that apart from you, God, we have no chance. We could never undo our sins. We could never make up for our sins. We could never run away from our sins. But because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and what he did on Calvary, and how your mighty resurrection power raised him on that third day, we can live in confidence and faith that we ourselves will walk in your resurrection power. That one day we will come forth and we will be given new bodies that will join our present, our spirit that's with you. And one day, God, we will spend all eternity with you. Lord, we're so thankful for that. God, help us to rejoice in that truth and to share that truth, to live by that truth, that we serve a risen Savior who's in this world today, that his spirit lives in us and goes among us to do his work and to build his kingdom. Father, bless now this time we have of response. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.